We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Just leave a message. They'll return your call. 905-529-7165. And they've got a website, andyanddon.com. That's all one word. And there you can listen to old archive shows and as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're talking about, oh, first, good morning, gentlemen. Good, good morning, morning, Scott. Good Hi. You. How have you been? <laughs> Welcome to December. Can exactly. you believe it? We're almost like Family oh, no. now. We don't have those introductions I know. anymore. Yeah. It's more, what do you got? So, no, we're going to uh, start the show with Mastering Your Retirement. Yeah, and we, we talked last week about uh, a number of issues around retirement. And I think, you know, there's no doubt that retirement becomes some a, a real critical turning point in everyone's life. Yeah. And it, and it always starts a few years out, whether it's friends that have started to retire, our colleagues, uh, or even as you begin to think my own retirement yeah. is probably not too far off, whether it's because you've got a, you know, an end date at work or you've actually just got it in your head, this mm-hmm. is the time, or maybe your spouse is thinking about retirement. So you're sort of trying to figure out what age should I retire? What income sources am I going to have to fund my retirement? What will I do when work doesn't consume my life every yeah. day? Um, and can my income plan provide me with, um, all the activities I want to do as well. Yeah. Can I live the lifestyle I want? How do I deal with market swings in my portfolio? Is there some kind of how safe is it going to be or how sustainable is it going to be? And do I have enough left over maybe to leave an estate for my kids mm-hmm. or for charity? Right. And so we, we talked last week about um, the sequence of returns, and this is all about income sustainability. And how confident are you that your capital, your pool of money that you've got for retirement is going to be able to sustain you through your entire life? Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the pitfalls or I guess one of the the real issues I have in the industry is a lot of a lot of our competitors, when I look at their financial plans or their retirement projections, they often assume an income projection based on an average return. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so they might, uh, I'll use an example. If you had a pool of $100,000, you're 65 years old, and you invest that money in a combination of you know 50% stocks, 50% bonds, so you sort of got a medium risk, and, let's, and they assume a 5% return, and you want to take out uh, $600 a month. Well, you just run that picture out and you can find out, well, at, at age 65, you could take 600 a month right through till age 89. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 24, 24 years, and then your money would run out. Right. So you think, well, that's not too bad. Um, 89, you know, most people average, uh, life expectancy for a male is like 83. Yeah. I live a few extra. I've got some, how much am I going to be spending at that point anyway? You know, mm-hmm. so there's all these, you kind of can rationalize it. But the truth is, is that because of the volatility in the markets, only about 50% of people will actually have their money uh, last past or to age 89. Right. 50% of us would run out. And that's because they haven't taken into consideration the volatility that exists right. within a portfolio, mm-hmm. an investment portfolio. And so last week we were talking about the sequence of returns and what does that mean to somebody during the retirement phase? And, you know, we think about your years heading into retirement. As you lead up to that, you're in the accumulation phase. You're putting right. money away, putting money away, putting money away. 
you're not really too concerned with the annual return year to, you know, every year because right. really you're looking to build that pool over the long term. But once you start to take money out, the sequence of returns that you get on your portfolio can make a big difference. And so we talked about a triangle, if you imagine a triangle, and at the top of your triangle, we'll put 5%. Mm-hmm. Go clockwise, the next in the bottom right corner, minus 15%. And then along the base to the other side, 25%. So 5 minus 15 and 25. Mm-hmm. So that, imagine those are your rates of return for each year, year one, year two, in year three. Mm-hmm. So when you take them and you average them out, you end up with... Mm, let me think, 5%? 5% return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that is the same even if we reverse the triangle. Right. So if we start 5% at the top and we go down the left side counterclockwise, 25% in year two and minus 15 in year three, you still average five. If you're not taking money out, right. it doesn't really matter. So when we apply that concept... Um, the, the reality is, is in retirement is that you, you never know, and this is true every, for every, any given year, you never know what the returns are going to be in any given year going forward. Mm -hmm. So you do have to make an assumption in terms of the average return, but you have to understand the impact of that sequence. And so we'll play a little, play with some numbers here and we'll show you what the difference can be. So. So if we're revisiting that straight line assumption, which said you could make your money last till age 89, if I now apply that same same uh, example, so you're age 65, you're taking out 600 a month from right. your $100,000 portfolio, and it's averaging 5% over three years. So we're going to go in that clockwise direction. So it's five the first year, minus 15 the second year. Right plus 25 the third year, and we're taking our money out every year, Mm 7,200 a year. Well, guess what? Your actual, your money now actually runs out at age 83. Hmm. So six years earlier, because of the impact of that year two negative time period. And you're pulling money out. Mm -hmm. And you're pulling money out every month. When it's down, you're doing the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Right. So the money runs out six years earlier, and that's a $43,200 less income that you're Mm -hmm. going to receive. And so suddenly that changes your perspective a little bit, and it kind of adds a little more clarity in terms of what is the income potential or the sustainability of my income is what people want to understand. Now, if we reverse it, and we do the counterclockwise, where the worst case scenario, that minus 15% happens in year three, then we find out that your income would actually last until 87. Mm -hmm. So four years better than the clockwise direction, and uh, but two years less than the original straight line projection, which we see in most plants. Mm -hmm. And so right out of the gate, when you're thinking about how confident you are when someone's presenting a retirement plan to you, this is something that needs to be discussed. And so one thing that Don and I are able to do is, you know, we have state-of-the-art, state-of-the-art software that lets us do a little more in-depth analysis of this than just using a straight line. In fact, I was looking back, we, we pulled out a, um, an advertisement from Fidelity Investments. So Fidelity is mm-hmm. a well-known, one of the largest money managers in the United States and worldwide. And um, they were looking at the retirement sustainability of one of their investments. And so the assumption was that they had a $500,000 investment. It was 50% stocks, 
35% bonds and 15% short-term investments, one to three-year bonds. And their investment had averaged 5.9% per year. And that this client was going to take a 5% withdrawal. It was going to be adjusted for 2.5% inflation, to sorry, 2.25% inflation. And what the projection showed was that they actually, the money would last all the way through to age 100. So it would last 35 years based on all of those assumptions. Well, we ran this through our, through our, using our software to understand, well, how much variability is there in that? How sustainable is that to right. age 100? And by taking into account the sequence of returns or the volatility with different types of investments. Well, as it turns out, you could run out as early as age 78 in hmm. 13 years. Hmm. In, in the worst case scenario. But so we can run thousands of what if scenarios. And what that does is it gives us the worst case, best case, and sort of an average case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, you know, most companies will look at, as, as Andy mentioned, a, a flat return. You right. get a certain return all the time. And that's easy. It's easy for us to understand. Uh, it, in all the approach in this Fidelity example, and that's a great company, Fidelity, nothing wrong with them, but they're using a 5.9% all the time through, Average, yeah. right. what a right. difference it makes. Yeah. And it's and to the point that actually I've worked these out before with clients and you're actually better off sometimes getting a less return yeah. with, l- with less volatility right. mm-hmm. than getting a higher return yeah. with more volatility. Right. Even though the return's higher, you actually ran out of money quicker. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't seem to make sense, but that's the idea of volatility. Yeah, so you can see, for our listeners, you can see on this <laughs> chart <laughs> that there are hundreds and hundreds of lines and these are basically each line is your life unfolding Mm -hmm. under different market conditions. And so, as I said, the worst case scenario, it could run out at about age 78 here. Mm -hmm. The best case scenario is it doesn't run out. Your your 500,000 actually grows. It could be be worth a million. Keep going over age 100. And do you know the only line they don't have? Is it averaging 5.9 every year? Because that yeah. never happens. <laughs> that line, it, it yeah. just doesn't exactly hit that line ever. <laughs> oh, and that's what the whole so, industry does, but that never happens. Yeah. So by using our, our state-of-the-art software, stress testing your investment pool, your retirement money, we want to make sure that you end up with more confidence around your retirement plan and more confidence in, in terms of achieving your future expectations. Mm. And, and that's the key. So, um, and the final thing that we talk about uh, in this section, which is about diversification. And for most of us, to, when we think about diversification, you know, we, t- we invest our money in Canada. We invest our money in the U.S. We invest our money internationally. We invest our money in emerging markets and then bonds and real estate. So we have a diversified portfolio. And What's also important is that when you retire is that you have a diversified income stream. Mm -hmm. And so what you want is you want to have sort of the the three pillars or the three legs of your stool being that guaranteed pension-like income, which you know is there for a lifetime income stream. The second stool is that sort of just-in-case pool or just in case uh, uh, leg of the stool. And so this is money that's available for lifestyle. It could be for uh, an emergency, but it also is more about just being able to enjoy your retirement and feel free to spend money. And then the third uh, leg of the stool is the growth pillar. So you want to have investments that are growing and are going to beat inflation 
over the long term. Mm-hmm. And so without that, without that, you sort of wonder, well, you, you know, you need to be diversified because it lets you sp- uh, spread those things out. And then the final piece is the withdrawal rate. How much can I actually take out of my money from my pool and be confident that it's going to last through my retirement years? Mm-hmm. And so we ran, uh, we ran a scenario with a portfolio of stocks and bonds, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and looked at a 4% withdrawal, a 5% withdrawal, a 6% withdrawal, a 7% withdrawal, and an 8% withdrawal. <clears throat> and it was fascinating to see how long your money would last and then how confident we could be before you sort of get into the danger zone mm. of running out of money. So I know we're going to run out of, sex in, uh, run out of time in this section. When we right. come back, I'll just quickly cover that. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're talking about mastering your retirement. Master your retirement. And we were just talking about, you know, what what is the withdrawal rate that you can make from your pool of retirement money? Uh, and how much that can make an impact in terms of the life of your portfolio, how Mm -hmm. long will the money last? And so we went back in our research and we looked from 1970 through right now till the end of last year. And um, we assumed if somebody had $500,000 in their retirement pool and we assumed 2% inflation and after an MER or cost of investing of 2.5% into a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio. And that's kind of where most retirees end up. You know, if I would look at my clients that are retired, 60 to 70% of them are in that sort of 60-40 split in a moderate risk profile. And we looked at the impact, how long the money would last, going from 4% withdrawal per year all the way up to 8. And so at 8% withdrawal, your $500,000 after inflation would last about 17 years. Okay, that was the average. Mm -hmm. And if you took uh, and then it was zero at the end. If you used a 7% withdrawal, you would have a zero balance after 25 years on average. At a 6% withdrawal, now you're up to 42 years and you would run out of money. At a 5% withdrawal, your $500,000 from 1970 to up till the end of last year would be worth $1.6 million. So you didn't even encroach on your original $500,000 pool yeah. of money. And at a 4% withdrawal, you would have $3.7 million today. Wow. If you took out that uh, 4% per year, it would actually continue to grow after inflation. Mm-hmm. So somewhere there's a sweet spot in there around 5%. Four, you know, four is certainly sustainable, absolutely. Um, 5% in general would provide an income for life. Anything over 5%, you begin to get into the danger zone. And in general, when we get to say, uh, so at 6%, You've got a, after 30 years, you got a 55% chance of being successful. In other words, you know, it's kind of like a, 
a weather forecast, 50-50. It might happen. It might not last 30 years. Uh, 40 years, you're down to about a 37% chance of being successful that the money would last your life. Uh, at 7% withdrawal, you kind of get down to about 20 years for a 67% confidence. And then at 30 years, 7% withdrawal, you're down to about 30%. So we're kind of into the danger zone there. So again, this is information we like to present to people as they think about retirement, how much they're going to be able to withdraw from their pool and be confident, you know, about yeah. not running out before the end of their life. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's mastering your retirement. Yes. And and end of your life is actually part of that because with longevity being the greatest risk. Well, like, can we enjoy it a bit with Andy here before we get to end of life? Come on, Don. Gee, we just got our retirement plan. Well, said plan. rest Give your life. Time. I just thought I'd segue that right in there. But it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's, people are living so much longer. Yeah. Um, we always hear about those premature deaths, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, the ones that uh, don't make it, you know, traffic accidents, et cetera. Yeah. But it's the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants. Guys <laughs> 57. at 57 wow. years of age. ALS, wow. yep. I know. Incredible. Huh. And, and then the uh, same token, you got Marvel Comics. Yeah, he lives to 90-something. 90 90 something. Yeah, okay. 91, 95. 90, yeah, 95 rings yeah, a bell there. Yeah. So, you know, you're, but it seems to be a lot more in the 90s mm-hmm. than in the, in the 60s and 70s even. And the sequence of returns really matters. Mm-hmm. And you go back even further, if you happen to think you're going to retire and say it was 2007 versus 2009, mm-hmm. and you had to pick which year, and you, somebody, you don't know any of this stuff is going on, mm-hmm. but you, you know, you go to uh, some software program, and they'll plug in the number of whatever the return is, and, uh, oh, I can retire. Well, 2007 happens, 2008 hits right away, and that person no, no longer has a good retirement. Yeah. Just because the first year of retirement, it dropped 20 some odd percent. In mm-hmm. fact, it went on for a year and a half. It's already going down in a bit in 07 and 08 and then 09 it recovered. When in 09, all the way here, they, they're having a fantastic, they're on the other end of the grid and there's, yeah. they, they can't, they got oodles of money, don't know what to do with it. Same mm. average return. Mm. And it's really bizarre. So this is why, again, you really should be, if you haven't had this conversation with a financial planners, certainly bring it up. And if they don't really understand, you should be finding one that does. Yeah. Wow. Because the sequence so of return really the, makes difference. So even the year you retire is, plays a huge part in this. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, it does, for sure. Yeah. And, and <laughs> we, yeah, 2008 comes along and you yeah. retired in a year earlier and mm. all of a sudden you're, you're having arguments at home. Turn all the lights off. Yeah. We can't yeah. afford the hydro. We're <laughs> sure. buying bulk at Costco. And yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's some some kind of, uh, you got to manipulate your expenses to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So I you know what? That big, that, uh, big ticket item, I'm not going to buy it this year. Mm-hmm. I'll buy it the following right, year. Yeah. You know, we're going to change our portfolio. And this is what Andy and I were doing during those years. You know, we're going to pull out income from the things that are not going down in value, such as the bond section. So you're not going to pull it out of the equities. You're going to pull it out of the fixed income side. Right. And that, and we'll do that until this whole, you know, bad market condition ends. And that really saved a lot of retirements. Had we had not done that, it would have been a lot more it would have been a lot tougher for them to recover. Sure. So we're taking it out of the fixed income. They didn't go down, leaving the equities. But it's so, even that's hard for people to accept because why do we want to sell the one that's doing okay? Yeah. And we want to leave those awful equities that are going down. And that's why. You don't want to sell things when they're down. And that's the whole yeah. premise of the sequence of returns. Mm. So to switch gears a little bit here, we're, you know, financial planning is, there's a whole topic is really financial planning misconceptions, mm-hmm. I call it, or sometimes really rationalizations. And there's really, this one article I was reading, there's eight major ones, and they're probably going a lot of sub ones. But, uh, you know, the one I hear quite frequently, oh, my, a financial planner, somebody simply looks after my RSPs and taxes. And uh, I said, well, it's certainly a lot bigger than that, as, 
you know, our conversations always have been, it's about every area in your financial life. It's investments, it's real estate, um, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning. Um, and it's absolutely incredible, uh, cash flow management for that matter, mm-hmm. it's incredible how one decision affects everything. Yeah. So, perfect example, I, uh, I'm a big advocate of having family meetings, particularly as, as the parents become more elderly. Mm-hmm. And I recently had a client of mine, they're, they're talking about 90s, they're into their 90s now, and we had a family meeting just last week, and we had three of the four children there. It was fantastic. Wow. All on the same page. This would be like the model family. Yeah, really. It literally, <laughs> this is fantastic. And all of it, and what, what happened was... was the cleavers. Holy yeah, God. really. I was going to say, how's my neighbor doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so nice to have this because communication is, is probably the biggest problem when it comes to estate planning. And what... Oh, I'm it, guessing here, in a situation like this where you have the parents and the kids all in the same age as the parents are getting older, the kids are middle-aged adults, I'm, I'm guessing, or correct. close to it. Um, I'm guessing that the parents were as financially... Um, uh, literate as the kids were? There wasn't a gap of? Yeah, that's a good question. Or, and or, or is there? There, there might have been one, but uh, that person also happens to be my client. Mm-hmm. And uh, their their level of knowledge went up a fair bit. Right. Um, two are dealing with uh, other financial planners. Right. One happens to be living in a different province, so he right. couldn't make it. Right. But you're, you're right. They're, they all have a bit of an idea about the financial planning process, right. how investments work. And but we brought into this meeting everything from tax planning, estate planning, um, the investment side of things, I- and even gifting. Mm-hmm. Okay, because perhaps you can gift money now, yeah. be- and and maybe they don't need the money, and mm-hmm. the kids could use it more now. And that was also a topic. But it's interesting about how these are so interrelated. It's not just about investments. It, you know, here's somebody says they sell their house, they're living in a different resident now. They got some extra money now. What should I do with it? A lot of people say, well, just invest it. Well, is that the right answer? Well, what if we gift it away? Well, we got the four kids. Well, then you have to bring out the will. What's mm-hmm. the will say? Well, the will says that the grandkids get part of this. Well, if the grandkids are getting, and this use this example, say 20%. Well, if you're gifting the money to the kids, that's, that's hurting the will mm-hmm. because the grandkids would have got 20% right. of that money. Right. So you got to be cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, okay, well, if we got this extra money invested, how is that going to work with us? Is that going to hurt our, say, get, move us into a higher bracket that maybe our old age security is right. now being clawed back? So you're bringing all these topics into the conversation, which again, like you said, Scott, everybody was on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no right answer in terms of gifting. Yeah, There isn't an answer. You, it could have been $1,000. It could have been $100,000. There's no right answer. It's just, it's just that, okay, what makes... What, what kind of accomplishes the goals of the parent. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to help out a little bit at this age. So, but the whole point of it, it's not just somebody that handles your RSPs or taxes. It's somebody's looking at every aspect of your financial life, mm-hmm. asking the right questions. And this is where having an, a third party come into the conversation. Because first of all, that's what we do for a living. That's mm-hmm. all we do. Yeah. So we, we're knowledgeable in this area. And it takes out the biasness. The, the kids don't want to even hardly talk because it shows that, oh, I don't, want to, I don't want my dad's money now. Anything's dead, dad, it's your money. You do what you want. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, it's an awkward conversation yeah. if you don't have that third person there. Yeah. And it's almost like a mediator to a certain extent. Yeah. And they certainly weren't in any which way wanting any, any funds. Mm-hmm. But he was very generous, and we end up gifting some money now, which also avoids probate down the road. Sure. 
because you know if you gift it now, anybody over eighteen years old, there is no gift tax. Mm -hmm. They don't have to add it to their income. It doesn't even show up in your income tax return. And you simply say, here you go. You're over 18. There's some money for you. Yeah. No ramifications at all. If you lent money to somebody over 18, that's a different story. Right. But that's not the case. So that's that's the the misconception number one. It's it, a financial planner is looking at the holistic plan, every aspect of the plan. And uh, here's a number. Number two, financial planning is all about budgeting and cutting back. And that's kind of an interesting one. Maybe this was written by somebody that is financially in tough shape and they don't want to budget, okay? It is, uh, one part of the plan is cash flow management. No question. Everybody does have a budget. They may not have written it down, mm -hmm. but they have income coming in and they got expenses going out. And it's absolutely incredible how we can get ourselves in positions and lifestyle to bump our heads to the threshold of that income. Mm. It doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. If And I see clients say 10 years ago and say they were making 50,000 a year. And I said, back then, if I doubled your income, would you be able to save some money? Oh, absolutely. Nah. Here we are 10 years later, their income's doubled and they got the same amount left over. None. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. They slowly eke their lifestyle to catch up to their income. One thought here is, it's kind of interesting, Canada Pension Plan, the I think the threshold is about $54,000 where you're... And sorry, actually, I got the number here. It's uh, to, to do 55900 mm -hmm. is the amount of income you make before you stop contributing to Canada Pension Plan. Right. Okay. Well, right after that next paycheck, you get an income increase. Mm -hmm. What if you said, okay, I'm going to save that difference right away. And that would add a few, a few hundred dollars a month to your monthly paycheck. Yeah. And it's amazing how it's all absorbed immediately. Yeah. So if you're making 75,000 a year, that means by about September, you've paid up your Canada pension. Mm -hmm. And therefore you get three or four months of free money yeah. and that doesn't get saved. And this is why Canada pension plan is a great thing yeah. because if it wasn't for them pulling the money away, we wouldn't have it. But it does come down to cash flow man management. Number three, if, if I'm generally moving in the right direction, my financial goals will take care of themselves. Good luck. Well, I remember a, a fairly recent potential prime minister saying the deficit will take care of itself. Hmm. And uh, as of the last budget that came out, it doesn't look like the deficit has been taking care of itself at all. Mm -hmm. You have to sit down with a, somebody that's tracking it, making sure it's, it will not just take care of itself. Mm -hmm. You need to have the direction of a financial planner to help you make sure you attain those goals. There's no emotion for us. We don't get in motion. We, yeah, we are happy that we want you to see you achieve your goals, but we don't get through the ups and downs of sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees yeah. and the emotions of, oh, oh, I have to have this. I have to keep up the Joneses. What about the markets going down? I don't want to invest. I should invest. Whatever the case is, we are simply trying to keep people on track. Financial planning is for the people that are wealthier, older, younger. There's, this is the rationalization one. Yeah. There's always a reason why you don't need a financial planner. Okay, you can always find one. And uh, when you're younger, you should be accumulating. When you're wealthy, you should be doing tax planning. When you're older, you should be doing estate planning. Everybody should start somewhere dealing with a financial plan. Um, it may be very simple at the beginning. So as Andy mentioned earlier, simply accumulating money, but just pay yourself first. That's always like the very the starting part of a financial plan. It's hard to be too intricate with a financial plan when you have no money. Yeah. So start by accumulating money. After that, then we work on other things. Number five, working with a financial planner means I can sit back during the process. 
No, far from it. It's active. You're right involved in this. You are, it, the more you in, engage with us as a financial planner, the better our financial plan can be because we know exactly what we're trying to accomplish, where you are, what's important to you. So we really need to know all the facts to create a very good financial plan, custom made for you. Okay. And number six, fin uh, financial planning is a quick fix for my financing. Well, financial planning is generally a long-term approach, managing your finance so that you can reach your life goals. It's not going to change anything overnight. It never has. There's way too many things beyond my control, such as the stock market, inflation, interest rates. So many things can affect your plan. Not to mention the thought stuff you don't even, you, you can't even know it's going to go around the corner, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a windfall or whether it's a, a roof that needs fixing. Okay, so there's all that. So it's definitely not, it's a long-term approach. And what it means is, it's kind of like an airplane. Now, I, I recently flew from a conference from uh, Palm Springs. And I know that plane was on its way to Hamilton, but it probably wasn't on track the whole way. It gets off track a bit, we, it gets back on. The pilot moves it back on track. Gets too high, gets back too low. Right. It eventually does land, but in, in Hamilton, thankfully. But that's what a financial planner does. It makes sure you stay on track. Okay, and we do have to kind of zigzag to get there, but we do get on track. Number seven, once you have a financial plan, you can just put it in place and forget about it. And again, like we just said, it's a dynamic process. There's so many things. A new child comes into a place. You get an inheritance. Um, you move. You sell your house. You buy an RV. You get a boat. There's so many different things that come into play, and we have to continually change that plan. So really, at the end of the day, number eight is having a financial plan isn't going to make a difference in my situation. Far from it. Statistically proven, financial planners will add two to three times in every situation. That's on the low end. Two to three times to a person's net worth hmm. by the time, you know, for their lifetime. Yeah. And that's, a, that's an incredible amount of difference that a financial planner makes. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Check out their website at andyanddon.com or give them a call now at 905-529-7165 and they will return your call. Uh, we're talking about uh, contributing. Contributing to your, to your, your RSP your or your RSP. TFSA. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this question came up, actually, it was, um, it was a fun, last week I, I we had a, f a few guys over and we were watching the Tiger Woods-Phil Mickelson match oh, yeah, play, right? the $9 million match play, and that mm -hmm. was, it was a lot of fun. And um, so we had some little side bets going on, et cetera. But at some point, uh, some co the conversation turned to, uh, TFSAs versus RRSPs. You Only know? at a financial planner. <laughs> Not even golf could take you away exactly, from Exactly, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, should I be contributing to an RRSP or should I be contributing to a TFSA? And, um, you know, and so the, there's a, obviously there's a lot of variables and, 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 and I knew these guys, but I, you know, I said, the first thing I would think about is, is your income, what mm. is your income tax bracket? And I didn't want to call the guy out, but I said, sure. you know, if you make over 75,000, then you should probably be contributing to an RRSP. And if you make under 75,000, probably a TFSA. So I'm just saying, that's just a general thing. Yeah. And I, but I thought about it, I thought, you know, how many... What motivates us to actually put money into these plans? And so there's really sort of four kind of major things that come along. One is if you're if you're doing a pre-authorized contribution. So somebody's 
putting money in on a regular monthly basis. So they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it, which is fantastic mm-hmm. because it's just takes, it takes the guessing out of it. Yeah. Uh, it takes, you don't have to be that disciplined. You just have to set it up, mm-hmm. make the cut the first time and away you go. The second one is, you know, people get nudged. They get nudged from friends or families mm-hmm. or they're over at a social event sure. like that. And somebody says, well, have you maximized your TFSA? Have you maximized your RSP? Or a family member says to you, oh, have you got your RSP done or your TFSA? So we get nudges from our friends, yeah. from our family about what to do uh, or getting that thing, getting that contribution done. The third one comes from Don and I. We make we make the call and we give you that nudge mm-hmm. and we say, you know, your plan says mm-hmm. that you need to maximize your TFSA this year or maximize your RSP or we're doing both. We're using tax savings to kind of spill over and do one or to do both. And then the final one, I guess people are making up for past contributions. Right. So we might be doing your current year contribution plus also a catch up contribution as well. And I think that the, the, the truth is this comes back to what Don was saying about the discipline around just saving and putting money away. That is the first step yeah. because if you're not contributing on a regular basis to your RSPs, your TFSA, you're not maximizing them, then, um, you know, you've got to put in some kind of discipline into your program, into your day-to-day life to make sure that these things are getting looked after, mm-hmm. you know? And so today, uh, if 2018, the maximum RSP contribution is $26,230, the maximum TFSA, $5,500. Next year, that's going up to $6,000. And um, you can find out what your maximum is on your notice of assessment that you get every year. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the document you get. Once you file your return, government agrees or disagrees with what you've said. And uh, and they tell you how much you can put into an RRSP. And plus, it'll tell you if you have carry forward, mm-hmm. how much you can actually do. And so the final uh, thing about that, I think, is really just understanding your tax bracket. So in Ontario today, if you make over $75,654, you're in a 32% marginal tax bracket. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that means every $1,000 you make or put into an RSP, you save about 32%. If you make less than that, there's a big bracket between 46000 and 75, It's about 29%. So then it creeps up. There's a few brackets in there. And once you get over ninety grand. You're up to about 43%. So watching your tax bracket and, and and maximizing your tax savings with your RSP contribution is critical. And that's a discussion you can have with your financial planner or your accountant. Just because you put in the maximum doesn't mean you have to deduct it all that year. Right. You can save it for a future year. You can bank an RSP contribution for a future tax year, particularly if you know if you're going to have a a, a, a good year. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got a bonus coming. Maybe right. there's... Um, uh, you know, you're on commission and there's a special contractor that's going to happen. You know, your income is going to be higher in the next year or you're selling an investment or selling a cottage. You're going to have a capital gain. You might need that extra tax deduction later on. And TFSAs, you know, they're, they're an excellent way. They're, they're so flexible in terms of you can put money in, you can take money out. Any withdrawals, they don't impact your retirement. They don't impact your old age security um, or, you know, any kind of uh, don't in, they don't impact your income tax return. You don't pay tax on the growth along the way. And even if you take the money out, you can put it back in. You don't lose the room. And mm-hmm. that's one difference between the two plans. And I think, um, you know, the, again, the bottom line is just make sure you're saving on a regular basis. Yeah. And there's no reason if your income's over 75, absolutely be putting into an RRSP for sure. 
And uh, unless you know your income is going to be higher later on, right. you know, if you're self-employed and you've got a holding company or your, your own company and you're only drawing a salary, a small salary, but later on your income might be higher, then you need a little more advanced planning around your RSP contribution and withdrawal strategy for sure. Mm-hmm. So there's never any easy answer. Um, they're always fun to have these conversations when you're having a social event. Did, any, did anyone say, shh, the golf song? <laughs> no, no, kidding. Come on. no kidding. I know we, there was no we, commercials. We paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can you guys take that outside? Yeah. Please, the conversation. Yeah. So anyway, it's a lot of fun, but um, uh, I think um, TFSAs and RSPs are definitely one of the mainstays for people's retirement plan. That's where most of us are accumulating money over time. And, um, you know, if you make any resolutions at the end of this year regarding your finances, you should meet with Don or I, mm-hmm. first of all. Yeah. <laughs> but second of all, put into put into play some automated savings, yeah. regular contributions, and uh, and just leave it alone. Let her keep going. You don't notice it. Uh, All right, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, 905-529-7165, and check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Talking about the crazy markets. It's been nuts. You know, the markets have been up and down. I know back on Wednesday, it was like 600 points up. Mm. Uh, another day, they're down 300 points. Yeah. And it's, it's been a really kind of a strange year in general. Uh, and we get a, we talked about this earlier. We do have negative returns about one in four years. Mm-hmm. And that goes both for the Canadian or the U.S. markets. You know, interest rates have been rising. Yep. So that's put a lot of pressure on bank stocks. And everybody said at the beginning of the year, or even the many years, oh, it's just invest in the Canadian banks. You can't go wrong. One of the worst performers this year. Yeah. Um, oil prices have been going down like crazy. Like, and Ooh, I saw uh, gas at 98 cents yeah. on Main Street. Really? Yeah, Under a dollar. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And... You know, which is about time they went to the pumps, actually. This is good. Yeah. From, from the, so that actually adds a little bit more to the wallet for the individuals. But again, it hurts uh, you know, a lot of other things from the, Cana- from the stock market standpoint. And yeah. we're about one-third resources, our Canadian market. Uh, you know, p- there's a lot of housing prices that have actually started to fall mm-hmm. around, around Canada. Mm-hmm. Vancouver has started, I think it's down 35%. Their sales, not the price, but the sales are down about 35%. Yeah. Prices are coming down. Yeah. Our area... They've been holding their own pretty good still. Inflation's gone up. It was uh, about 1.5 not long ago. Now it's about 2.4. So there's a lot of things that are kind of edging up, hurting the stock markets, and then interest rates, if they rise, well, bonds don't go up. So you're going to look at your statements this year, and you're going to think, wow, it's really, it was up or down. They could be down as much as 8% this year, I guess, and they could be, you know, if everything kind of leveled out, or it'd be up maybe 4 or 5% this year. Right. It's it's going to be a narrow band, not a not a very good year. Mm. But what should you do about it? Well, uh, what, first thing, housing prices. A lot of people love to talk about their house going up or down. I think about it and think, what difference does it make? <laughs> Unless you're selling. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And I said, this is one of the few things I say, just don't sweat it. It doesn't matter. Now, for those that are speculating on real estate and have tenants and everything else, yeah, that might matter. But for most people that are simply living in their house, Pay that darn mortgage off, okay? Pay that that debt down. Get yourself in a position so that if there is a recession, that you you have a little wiggle room, mm-hmm. okay? 
And so that's your house is simply there. I, would you do you, you know if interest rates are going to rise in the next renewal, you might want to consider um, extending the mortgage out further so you can afford the payment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so or just just give yourself wiggle room. Uh, you can go weekly if it makes it easier for you, or bi weekly. But I wouldn't worry too much about the mortgage. Okay, because that's where you're going to live. It's, yeah. If you weren't there, you'd be renting somewhere, I suppose. But number two is build savings. We've talked about this already. Savings in general. And the RSP versus TFSA question, yeah, that's great. But at the end of the day, you just got to save money. Yeah. And if you're not disciplined to say, okay, yes, I'm in a low tax bracket, so I'm going to go in a TFSA. But if you're not disciplined to keep it in the TFSA, no. the nice thing about RSPs, they're sticky. Yeah. Very very rarely do people pull money out of the RSP because they have to pay tax on it. Mm-hmm. They love that. It's like a mousetrap. You know, you you, you, lo- you put the money in, but it's stuck there. Yeah. And then you pull it out, you pay tax on it. So, and there's some savings accounts though that pay about 2%. Mm-hmm. So high interest savings accounts. So if you are in a position, particularly with the recent talk about the GM closure, yeah. and if there's a recent, you know, you're, you're maybe at risk that your job may not be in a great position down the road. You may want to start padding those savings up. Mm-hmm. Now, you can use high interest savings as one option. The other option is using an RSP as a recession-proof mechanism. So if you do lose your job, you put the money in the RSPs now, but don't put them in as a long-term vehicle because you may think you're going to be pulling that money out. But if you're in a high tax bracket, and let's say you're making $90,000 a year right now, mm-hmm. and you're in a 43% tax bracket, and if you lost your job, you might drop into a 30% bracket while you're looking for a new job. Well, put money in the RSP, save it 43%, possibly take them out. It's almost like insurance, pull it out later. And if you find you don't need it, you can always invest in longer term later. Right. But it's, it's a great way. Plus you're using the tax system, almost like employment insurance for you. Okay. And particularly if you're self-employed, where you don't collect employment insurance, RSPs are a great vehicle. They don't just have to be for, our, for retirement. And uh, number three, shrink your debt. We are, as we've talked about a few times, I know I've been on the air about how much debt Canadians yeah. are in general, more so than ever. Nothing better than to shrink a little debt. So again, comes down, gives you choice. So that if the if interest rates rise more, okay, you have a little extra cash. So you're not spending so many dollars in debt payments. And if you do a, a cash flow analysis and you realize that you could afford food, your car, your your home and nothing else because you've got so much debt payments, you're probably not in a good situation there. Mm. And shrinking those debt. And sometimes it even makes sense to pay off a lower interest debt. And I rarely will say that just to buy, get the extra cash flow. Mm-hmm. So if you've got say eight payments left on this, on this uh, car of yours, and it's even at 2% financing, might make sense, oops, might make sense to get rid of it yeah. because that way you'll get the $1,000 a month payment right. and you can use that for other things. Mm-hmm. So it's extremely important. When the market's down, what's the best thing to be doing? Buying. Buying, yes. exactly. Buy, buy low, sell high. It's not a hard process, but again, people get emotional when markets are down and they and they think, it will, they extrapolate. And it's our own human mindset. We keep extrapolating what the market will continue to do. Mm-hmm. So if the market's going up, oh yeah, I want to go in the market. Look how it's doing. No, no, that's how it did. Right. Same happens when the market's dropping. Oh, look how bad the market is. I don't want to get in that. No, that's what it did. It made cobra rate back up. <clears throat> Great time. Buy low. And uh, so at the and also hold off some big ticket items during these times. Maybe if you're thinking it's on some uncertainty in your job, don't buy those big items. Um, just get yourself in a better 
um, overall financial situation to withstand uh, a bit of a recession. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can listen to old shows there as well. Ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Scott.